Good evening, everybody. It's wonderful to see you. I'm very thankful that you're here. We didn't know what to expect in light of the weather yesterday, but we want to thank you for coming out. Um, we want to make sure you know you're very welcome this evening. Um, and we would certainly welcome you back. If you don't have a place where you publicly worship Jesus Christ, uh, we would love to see you here at uh, 9 o'clock and 10.30 on Sunday morning. We have two services, and we would be delighted to see you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask for your attention for the next few minutes. I'm going to pray a brief prayer in just a second, and we're going to read from God's Word. In fact, on your table, there's, a, there's the um, survey sheet, and on the back is actually the scripture that I'll be using for the evening. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to read God's Word, and then we're going to talk. So again, your attention would be so appreciated. Father, we pray for your mercy now as we take these given moments to study and to think carefully on these absolutely crucial words of Jesus. May your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, come to teach us, to, to help us, and to awaken us and show us what we really are before you. And it is for Jesus' sake that we ask this. Amen. Luke chapter 18, the Gospel of Luke Verse 9, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, and the Greek word there is humanity, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on all the different segments of humanity, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus says this, I tell you, this man tax collector, rather than the other man, we'll call him the holy man, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The Lord Jesus Christ was a real person. He is God in flesh. He was born into this world in unusual circumstances, but still born in a real place, in a real time, from the womb of a real woman. And as he walked this earth, as a young man, he went around doing good, and he taught and he preached everywhere, telling people their need to repent. That was his, his main sermon, repent. Repent, as in be very sad and very sorry to God about your sin, about your lies and your lust and your hate and your pride and your arrogance and your disregard, your irreverence towards God. Repent, Jesus would say, before it's too late. Because Jesus knew there was coming a day for every one of us when we will stand before the God who made us. Therefore, here in these verses, Jesus is preaching the gospel. So it makes sense, right? Luke's gospel, we should let the gospel tell us the gospel. And so Jesus does this in a parable. A parable is a story which is, which is telling an, an unchanging spiritual truth. So the story is dealing with people who are confident in their own righteousness, their own goodness. In fact, they are so confident that they are doing everything right 
that verse 9, they're able to look down on everybody else. That's how confident they are. So they can look at the world, look at themselves, and if you would, their chest kind of sticks out, and they're like, I am it. If you like, they're the kind of people willing to trash, to slander anybody who's not like them, who doesn't think like them, who doesn't behave like them, and even doesn't believe like them. So Jesus is surrounded here by people, actually very religious people, who are absolutely convinced they're just fine, and it's everyone else with the problem. They're absolutely convinced that the world would be such a better place if those people over there, whoever they could be, would be more like them. They're absolutely convinced that the religious routines prevent them from knowing any need at all. In fact, they're so good that they even find it very easy to slander, to smear their fellow man right in front of God during prayer time. Indeed, if we were to be honest, and let's be honest, they're the kind of people who may very well be represented in church services all across the land. People who think they are far enough up the road. But of course, the problem is they are on the wrong road altogether. However, Jesus, Jesus loves these kind of people. And in order to stir them out of the darkness that they're in, out of the self-righteousness that they're in, in order to confront them with the magnitude of their situation, because as it stands right now, they are not right with God. He tells them a story, a story about two men and, and, and their two prayers and an only one. The one and only way to be right with God, to be justified, to be understood as guiltless before God, saved from the judgment to come. So this parable is the heart of the gospel. And this is the heart of the gospel. Listen carefully. God only accepts people whose only plea is mercy. Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. And if you care about these things, or you're curious about eternal life at all, you're going to see why this parable is very, very important. Okay, so we said we had two men. First, let's consider the Pharisee. Now, if you know anything about the Bible at all, you know that the Pharisees in the Bible, they're, they're the bad guys, right? They're crummy. They love the applause of men. They love money, but they hate Jesus. However, in the minds of the listeners in the day of Jesus, no such thought would be taking place. When that person in that context heard the word Pharisee, they would think something like, oh, that's a church guy. That is a regular church attender. They're, they're like holy. Pharisees were students of the Bible. They read their Bible. They knew their Bible very well. I have no doubt if you saw a Pharisee's Bible, it would be the kind of Bible with like five different pin colors and all kinds of pictures and tags and papers coming out of it. And you would look at that Bible and you'd go, holy cow, this guy is serious. This guy must be a holy guy because my Bible still, has, the pages are clean. In fact, it doesn't even look like I use my Bible compared to their Bible. The Pharisees were scrupulous when it came to the letter of the law. They loved people to see them in action. And they loved praying where they could be seen and heard. It was a hobby for them. A hobby that they actually turned into a full-time job. That was their way. Whenever they would pray. They would pray in such a way where everybody would go, Oh, wow. That is something. Because there was nothing the Pharisee liked better than to know that people were watching them and they could say, wow, that, that is a holy guy. That's, more guys like that, this world will be a much better place. Now let me ask you a question. Do the Pharisees' shoes fit you at all? Now think just for a moment. 
do the Pharisees shoes fit you all? Because are you telling me that you do not like it when people think you're holy and serious and religious and committed and zealous and good, smart Bible student and just a way great servant of God? I mean, you don't like that when people would say that about you? You see? That's the one guy. The other guy's a tax collector. He's horrible and everybody knows it. He even knows it. He was a collaborator. Um, if you've ever seen old World War II movies and there's a mayor of some Polish town and he's lining in pockets because he's collaborating with the Nazis and you're just disgusted by this guy, then you know how people thought about tax collectors. They, they hated them. Tax collector would collaborate with the Roman authorities. He would uh, take taxes from the people. He would give to Rome a little bit and then he would take the rest. And the people would say, that guy's a crook. He's taking bread from my table. And if they could, they would string him up. In terms of status in society, the tax collector would have been on the bottom of the list with harlots, good-for-nothings, and pastors. No, just kidding. Their, their money wasn't even accepted in the temple. And as a result, these guys just checked out of society. People hated them. Their parents were ashamed of them. And of course, the Pharisee was certain that he was far, far better than the tax collector. Now, let me just say to this to you, and I think you should listen carefully. Maybe, maybe this is the exact same way some of us feel right now about certain types of people groups, skin colors, certain types of sexual preferences, certain types of restroom preferences, political ideologies, or maybe, maybe you have a person in your mind right now and you line them up with you and you are always winning that game. Why? Well, Jesus said it. We look down on everybody else. Nobody's doing it like us. Nobody's as good as us. Confident we are because we got it together and whatever group that we're comparing ourselves to, they don't. Now, if you talk to the average person on the street and you said, okay, there's two guys, there's a holy guy and there's a tax guy, who's going to heaven? And that day, it's an easy, the, the holy guy. The holy guy's going to heaven, not the bad guy. The church going, Bible thumping, do-gooder, will we'll go to heaven, the tax cheat, they're not going. They're not going. Okay, that's the two men. Two men, like all of us here this evening, standing before the bar of God's judgment. One man, a holy man, who thinks himself healthy. The other man, an unholy man, and he knows himself sick. And so the two men, verse 10, went to the temple to pray. They have radically different prayers. I think you would agree. I, I always tell people this. The Puritans would say, if you really want to know a person, ask them about their daydreams. So if you want to know a person, ask them, what do they daydream about throughout the day? Well, here it would be, okay, if you really want to know what you actually are before a holy God, listen to your prayers. Listen to your prayers. This is what Jesus said. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So we're inside the mind of these two guys. It's very telling. One guy, the holy guy, full of himself. Verse 11. The Pharisee stood up. In the, in the Greek language of the New Testament, it reads more literal. He took a stand. Right? People are always telling Christians, we need to take a stand. Well, he, he's taking a stand. And he's taking a stand and he's praying about himself. His prayer location in the temple would have been like the prime spot right in front of the crowd's close proximity to be seen and to be heard. So, so now, you, you know, we're inside his mind. And here we go. He rattles off a prayer which sounds more like a campaign speech, right? I thank God uh, I'm not like other men. It's humanity. I'm thank like I'm all the other groups. I'm not like them. I'm not like robbers. I'm not like evildoers. I'm not like adulterers. And I don't sleep around. Now what he's doing is what's called negative obedience. Listen carefully. 
He's prepared to say he hasn't done these sins, so he prays about not doing them to provide for himself a smokescreen to cover the sins he actually has committed. Right? Here's my personal list, God, and I'm keeping the list, so everything's good, right? No. He goes on. And unlike my opponent, the tax collector, I fast twice a week, and I give. And right here, you just want to say, would you just stop it? Would you just stop it? There's a song that I quote probably too much around here, uh, and it's by Toby Keith. And you might know this. He has the line, I want to talk about me, want to talk about I, want to talk about number one, oh me, me, my, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see, what I am, what I do. That's this guy. And, and he's also doing what's called selective comparison. I am so good in comparison to whatever group I put myself up against. It's ridiculous. He compares himself to the sinner and he's happy because he's winning. But listen carefully. When is the divine standard how we rate against others? That's not God's standard. So the Pharisee had created this obsessive behavior pattern in his life which covers his own guilt, his own sin, and Jesus knows this, hence the story. Now, it's important to understand this because this could be some of us here. We have developed routines, religious routines, and we rely on those routines, you know, church going, Bible reading, prayer, self-denial, giving, good deeds, to justify in our minds that things are right between us and God. So, so we don't cry out for mercy. Instead, we get a Bible and read it. We pray more. We give more. We try harder. And we do all that stuff. And we go, oh, I feel so much better now. Is that the gospel? Is that why we are right before God? So his prayer has negative obedience. I'm not doing this. A legalistic obedience. But God, I am doing this. And comparative obedience. I thank you that I'm not like other men, God. Now, if you're listening, do you see how subtle that is? This is self-justification because, again, the issue before God is not, li- is not what we are before each other, but what we are before a holy God, before the all-seeing eyes of God who knows the deepest secrets of our heart. Now, I ask you again, is the Pharisee's prayer, is that the gospel? Is it acceptable? Is that what Jesus died for? Is this the message Jesus preached? Of course it is not. Okay, then what is it? Good question. Second prayer, verse 13. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and he said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Literally, literally, God propitiate me. Save me, God. Let your anger be removed from me. God, have someone to take my place. That's what propitiation means. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel in one line. One line, which is to be the continuous line of thought and how we know we're accepted with God and our continuous prayer as followers of Christ. You see, this is what you should be saying. I hope you all can say this. This is why God accepts me. Even though I can be so much like a Pharisee, even though I can compare myself to other people groups and always come out on the top, I thank you, Jesus, that you died for the Pharisee and me. And Jesus, forgive me for taking the good things like fasting and giving and serving and trying to be good and turning them into weapons against humanity. Do you understand what I mean by that? Weapons of comparative obedience against humanity. So we're doing this and group X is not doing that, so we must be better. We must be. This is why God accepts us. But you see, 
the transformed mind which the tax collector had. God, today, have mercy on me, a sinner. And loved ones, tell me, you tell me, what day have you lived where that prayer of that sinner should not be the prayer of our hearts? In fact, let me go on record to say this. There is not one day that should ever go by in my life when I don't beat my chest and ask God to have mercy on me. Not one. So you see, this is how at the core people become justified before God. How people become right and stay right with God. This is how people enter into God's heaven. It is so simple. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, the Pharisees, who wasn't right with God, spent his time basically saying, God, I'm really good, and this guy... And others like him, they're not. Is that us? God, I go to church unlike my LGBT neighbor who, who doesn't even cut his lawn. God. Now listen carefully. That prevents you from making the conversation that you need with God as God pulls back the covers of your own good works and says, let's talk about the stuff you've been hiding Hiding behind your good works. Let's talk about your sin that you're too blind to see. You see? That's why Jesus said, I told this story to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. We need to finish. Verse 14, Jesus makes it plain. Tax collector, you go home a Christian. Justified. Holy, we'll call him the high holy Pharisee. You don't go home justified. Why, Jesus? Why is that the case? Verse 14. This is what Jesus says. For whoever exalts himself, and here exalting self means trashing other people, which what he was doing, comparing ourselves to other people, where we always come out on the high end, whoever does that will be humble. They will be brought low. And the lowest of the low is you do not go home Justified, You do not go home a Christian. But whoever humbles themselves, and Jesus isn't describing a one-time deal. This is a way of life. Whoever humbles himself, herself, they'll be exalted. They'll be justified. And again, exalted here means you will be made right with God. How will you be made right with God? Because you say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the gospel. So if you or I were to die tonight and God said, why should I let you into my heaven? Would you be like the first man with that massive focus on yourself and say, well, God, I did this and I, and I do that and tomorrow I'm going to do twice that? And God, I'm not like those people over there. I mean, those people are ruining our country. Loved ones, religious and moral people are headed to hell being led there by their own good works. Just like this Pharisee. Or would you be like the second man, the sinner? And he knows. God knows all about him. 
And he says, God, have mercy on me. Propitiate me. I need someone to stand in my place. I need your anger, God, on my sin averted. Would you please have mercy on me? So we have a choice. I can be confident when I say this. God sent you here tonight to decide. So so please, for Jesus' sake, cry out to God. Don't let your pride get in the way. Cry out to God. As a sinner in need of God's mercy, stop making comparisons and compare yourself to a holy God. And then when you do that, I'm confident you will say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God sent his son Jesus to die for sinners like you and me who deserve nothing from his hand but judgment. But by calling out to him, asking him for mercy, telling him you're sorry and he's right. We can become united to him. We can become his people. We can follow him. We can gather in his church and we'll be together until our last breath on earth and our first breath in heaven. Thanks for your attention tonight. You did a great job listening. I'm going to be around. If you have any questions, I'll be happy to try and answer them for you. God bless you. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, I thank you that the gospel is simple enough that a child can understand, but the reception of the gospel has to receive with humility of heart, honesty before you. Even as a Christian, God, I feel my heart condemned by these words. I, we often do it compare ourselves to others so that we always look better, justify ourselves before you by doing more than we did last year and the year before. And here in this simple little story, a tax collector shows us the way to Jesus by crying out for mercy and telling God he's sorry and telling God he's a sinner who needs to be rescued from his wrath. And in the person of Jesus, we have the one who suffered and died on the cross for our sins who is our only hope ever in life and in death. May everyone here within the sound of my voice know Jesus correctly, be converted, and follow him the rest of their days. God, have mercy on us sinners. For Jesus' sake, amen.